When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Rosalind Erskine and I'm a food and drink writer at the Scots Mum. I really believe there's so much to shout about when it comes to the best dining and drinking here in Scotland and we want to tap into the most interesting and creative people, places and stories around. Every week we'll sit down with a pioneer of the industry, the people who are doing things differently and going their own way. From a master whiskey blender to celebrated chefs and everyone in between, including the fryer at your local chippy. This week we chat to the Scotsman Food and Drink editor Sean Murphy and we also talk to Julie Lynn McLeod from the award-winning Julie's Gopatium restaurant in Glasgow. We're going to talk to her about setting up on her own, her influences and cooking at the acid bar in Glasgow's SWG3. This week we've got the Scotsman Food and Drink editor Sean Murphy who's on the phone from our Glasgow office. Hi Sean. Hello. We're just having a quick chat with you today um, because you edit the Scotsman Food and Drink website. Just can you give us a brief overview of what you do and how you got into doing that? Yeah, so the Scotsman Food and Drink website came about in 2015, which was Scotland's year of food and drink. And we decided to create a tailor-made website to cater for the rising interest and, uh, like I say, Scottish food and drink producers, uh, restaurateurs, chefs, distillers, uh, drinks makers, brewers. And so the site basically cares for all those people. It also provides news, features, interviews, uh, like works at new distilleries and new breweries and also new restaurants. And that came about through my background in whiskey, where I originally worked uh, with my family in the pot still in Glasgow, uh, which we took over the pot still eight years ago. And there's been one of us working in the pub for at least about, must be about maybe 15 years. So I've had a, a bit of background in whiskey. I spent quite a lot of time researching it for that role and was asked to do a bit more writing on my interest in whiskey. And uh, that sort of led on to food and drink related stuff, which then again led on when the, side, the Scotsman decided to launch the website to, to create this dedicated website. They asked me because I, I had that knowledge um, and that, that led on to me becoming the Scotsman Food and Drink editor. And in the time since the site launched and now, obviously there's been some massive changes in the Scotsman Food and Drink scene. So is there anywhere that you're sort of got your eye on um, just now for somewhere that people should go and visit or somewhere you've been that you've quite enjoyed that you would recommend? Yeah, so I mean, there's quite a lot of places. Obviously the Central Belt uh, is thriving at the minute, um, but one of the places that I visited recently, which I was quite surprised, doesn't shout enough about what it's doing as the northeast of Scotland, uh, around about Aberdeen, you know, Aberdeenshire. Um, I mean, everybody knows about Speyside with the whiskey. Um, everybody knows about Edinburgh with the food and restaurants in there. Everybody knows about Glasgow and how well it's doing. Um, and the same with uh, Perth. And even the borders, to an extent, is, is doing really well. But the northeast for me um, was just a, a fascinating trip. I went up recently to visit like Geary Distillery. And when we got there, we did like a kind of a roundabout, um, you know, look at some of the producers and went to some restaurants. And I, I was absolutely blown away by how good uh, the quality of produce uh, and also some of the restaurants are. So 
the distillery itself is amazing. I really recommend checking it out if you're ever in the area. It's in Old Meldrum. Uh, right in the heart of the town. So it's a Glencue distillery. So they did a really great whiskey tour. Uh, and from there, we went to the Meldrum Hotel, Meldrum House Hotel, and they have just launched a new little restaurant inside called Pineapple, um, which is absolutely brilliant. There's some really good food. Uh, and also we visited a place called Udney on the Green, um, which is run by the Kilted Chef. And he does some amazing things. I think he'd um, shown us some of the biggest scalps I think I've ever seen in my life and really showcases some of the amazing seafood that's available in the northeast. Yeah, I've, I've met him as well. He's quite a character. Yeah, he's, he, was, he was really, really nice. He actually, I mean, I think he does, they do um, experiences where you can go and sort of like, uh, cook with him and stuff but some of his work is absolutely amazing and some of the producers he's been showcasing up there I think one of the biggest things that I was surprised by was that you know being so close to the home of you know seafood and uh, Peterhead Market and things I thought maybe there'd be more uh, sushi places and, and seafood focused places but the places are doing the sea, uh, seafood are doing it really well so and Sydney on the Green were, were one of them and also Pineapple was another uh, well, I'll need to go up there and check it out. Um, and thank you very much. So you'll be back in over a few episodes just as a sort of guest to chat to us more. But thanks very much, Sean. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, speak to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Roz here. Today we're going to be talking to Julie Lynn, who is the owner and chef at Julie Escopidium, which is a Malaysian restaurant based in Glasgow. She's got a restaurant in the south side in Shawlands and she's just recently opened a residency at SWG3 in their acid bar. SWG3 is a warehouse and event space in the West End. It's near the railway bridge arches, near Partick Station in the West End. Uh, and I'm here today to go and have a chat with Julie about her cooking style, her influences and what her plans are for the future. Okay, we're going to go ahead in just now. Hi Julie. Hi Rose. <laughs> uh, so we're here at the Acid Bar, just going to have a quick chat about um, your style of cooking and the fact you're on your own business and your successes and what you're doing next. So let's take you right back to the beginning. What would you say your influences are and how did you get into cooking? So I think my influences have always been actually quite a lot from the female side of my family. So my gran is a really good cook and she loves her produce, and she loves kind of cooking every day, massive big batches of stuff. Um, and that's been like a huge part of what I've seen growing up as well, same with my mum moving here. And I think her kind of journey with food was still to kind of reconnect with her culture in Malaysia. So it was almost like the bridge between like moving to Scotland where it's cold and and you're kind of, I guess, wanting like home comfort, so like a big bowl of something that you know. Um, so my mum would actually kind of find her kind of like roots through food while she was here and obviously that's developed like a lot along the years and with me growing up here as well that you get loads more ingredients you get loads more kind of things to cook from so yeah I would say definitely quite a lot from the female side of my family and um, also from probably my first head chef she was a woman called Laurie and she was very patient and uh, taught me everything I know so it's, it's kind of gone from being like something that I love that's quite personal to then going into the business so and did you sort of sense that the way that your mum cooked and being in Scotland was there quite a gap in that market at the 
time. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, also, I think, I think the reason that I kind of got into it was actually just because I really wanted to eat that style of food, and I couldn't find anywhere that was doing what my mum does from home and the kind of love of, I guess, like um, entertaining people and having them in for dinner, having them in for lunch. Um, I love doing that in my own house. And that has, I guess, from a very kind of organic point of starting off with a street food stall, kind of growing into being a restaurant. And I always wanted to be like an extension of my living room. So nothing's to be too fancy and everyone's to be quite, I guess, relaxed and just feel like they're at dinner at my house. Nice. <laughs> and so how long did it take so you said you started street food so how long did it take from street food to restaurant so from street food to restaurant I would say that took about I guess two and a half years and but doing a street food stall I think is a really like it's a nice way to start it because you see like quite organically how you have to cook big pot food and you're maybe feeding loads of people once or not a lot at all and you could be out in the rain you could be and quite often when it is in Scotland it will be out in the rain it's very cold (laughs) and uh, you kind of have to learn how to deal with that and you're hugging onto pots and stuff outside and yeah and that kind of journey for me was really crucial just to figure out how to kind of I guess get the food out there and it gave me that love for serving lots of people and and I guess in again a very informal environment of it just being a kind of table sometimes um, at the side of a festival or a table down and actually we had to stall down a lane for the first six months so that's kind of how it started off. Um, Yeah so I think for me that's been the kind of main point of how you learn and it makes you learn very fast when you're outdoors and kind of battling all of the elements and everything like that. Yeah, imagine you have to love it. You have to love it. <laughs> when there's like sleets coming like horizontally at you and it's in January and nobody's turned up to the stall, you have to love it and you have to kind of keep that like idea of the fact that you love cooking, the fact that you love the food and that you love serving people. And that that's actually been like the kind of easy part for me um, in terms of like running the business. That love of just I guess feeding everyone it's a very mothering instinct but uh, yeah I do really like it I think I've kind of got that from my mum as well and did your mum come over was your dad Scottish was it like yeah exactly so my mum came over um, back in the 70s to become a nurse here and um, she ended up meeting my dad in the ubiquitous chip none of them oh. yes so it's kind of nice that it's still there actually it's a little kind of like pinnacle point for where they met um and yeah and she ended up just falling in love with scotland and just kind of wanting to stay here and she loves the people she also loves the food here as well actually which has made kind of growing up really interesting because i'll learn like my mum's kind of take on things because she's I guess using a bit of soy sauce to something that wouldn't necessarily and it's been yeah that that kind of mix of culture and food has been really prominent in growing up and learning cooking for me and it's also I guess means that I feel like there's no barriers like it's not it's not too hard to try anything and it's not too weird to try anything either um, and also classics are still good too so she does all the classics brilliantly obviously. And yeah, and I think obviously my dad's been having the best of times having like <laughs> all these delicious pots of, uh, I guess, kind of curries and stir fries that she would have brought over. So yeah, it's been a very good journey that way. And so you said you went from 
street food to restaurant in about two and a half years mm. and you've got Julie's Copeterm in the south side in Shawlands and you've just what how many a couple of months ago set up it yeah it was actually I think and god that's all quite a blur now when you get restaurant number two you kind of forget everything <laughs> and what your name is uh, but yeah so we were doing a long-term residency in the acid bar just now just doing SWG3 and that's been great so we obviously started off with this small a kind of five table cozy very much the size of a living room um, restaurant in Shawlands and I love that one because it's cozy and we've, we've only got three little hobs that we work from and it's all very you just kind of work with what you've got and that kind of style of cooking is actually really nice to teach people that way to be like okay this is what we have and like let's work with that and work on how many flavours we could do and the acid bar is slightly bigger so we've got about 40 seats in there and that it's just a, it's a lovely kind of bigger space to be cooking in so we've got I guess maybe a bit more equipment to be cooking different things and for me that journey of having the accessibility to actually cook to even I don't know have like a big steamer or have like a have something fried or have something on a grill it has been really integral to us developing the menu as well so we've got loads of new flavours in there so they're both kind of different in their own way and they're both fabulous in their own way because one's I guess got like a kind of bigger style and you can get some nice cocktails and stuff down there and in Shawlands we've got a very kind of cosy living room style which um, is our little home. Which is lovely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that is kind of what I always set out to do to make sure it's very accessible for everyone and I feel like both are actually both like are very welcoming to to people and that's the way it always should be. Yeah. And they kind of suit the different areas yeah exactly and um like Shawlands is very much like and I love this for it actually it's very like community-led so you get quite a lot of you get your upstairs neighbor coming down for dinner and you get the person across the road coming in for lunch for a takeaway kind of thing so yeah you just kind of get to know everyone and that's lovely and then with SWG3 we occasionally do some of our street food stalls actually which is where we started off so it does have this kind of um way where we're serving like I guess like a big restaurant at the same time but we're also going back to our roots with street food and getting big kind of pots of curry in the go and lots of things like that so it's been really nice to kind of have that mix. And did you, if you come across any challenges sort of setting up your own business and you're doing a style of cooking that maybe these days is probably not as unfamiliar but imagine at some point it would be like I don't know what this is a lot of people so. Yeah and I think like that's um, I've learned that being really communicative with with staff and with the customers is really important because yeah there is quite a lot of flavours that maybe aren't as kind of usual I guess in Asian style cooking like got lots of like um, very intense shrimp paste and all of these kind of like weird and wonderful smelly things which I'm used to but they make dishes taste amazing and um, so we've had to be very like communicative and almost like try and show people and have, I guess have that trust with our customers. So we get quite a lot of people who will come in who will just kind of trust what we want to make them now, which is an amazing place to be. It's like the biggest compliment you could ever get to have somebody come in and just say choose for me kind of thing. So yeah, it's really lovely in that way. And in terms of like the kind of difficulties with the business, that's that's actually something that we've worked on and that you find things that maybe were a difficulty at the beginning aren't now. So... I mean, we've um, we've got bigger kind of overnight, I guess, with having our kind of semi-permanent residency at the Acid Bar. So I guess kind of like kind of 
making sure that everyone's looked after and you know the staff inside out and you have time to teach everyone and time to kind of listen to everyone is really important to me. So we'll we'll never become somewhere with lots of places. We'll probably just kind of stick to having small, very familiar, very kind of loved places that are looked after well because I feel like there's probably an answer as to how to do that but in my kind of business logic and my like I'm a little hard I don't think I could do that yet so yeah in terms of like difficulties I think that's maybe the main thing it's just keeping on top of everything you become like a bit of like a firefighter some days where you <laughs> just kind of making sure everything's going okay and then other days everything's absolutely smooth so I guess just like any job it's like it has its ups and downs but you find ways to manage it and you find ways to keep yourself afloat so you can keep other people afloat too and hopefully you're not a literal firefighter. Nothing's <laughs> gone on fire. Is it? Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised occasionally. <laughs> Have the odd walk fire here and there, but a bit of smoke never harmed anyone for the dishes. So. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, possibly me included, I think I do know this, but I've forgotten, what does Kopitiam mean? Uh, so Kopitiam is actually a kind of, I guess, two right. words. <laughs> Um, so we've got kopi which translates as coffee and then tiam means shop so it essentially just means coffee shop and in other words cafe so and that was part of the concept with and kopi tiams in malaysia are like you get like all these kind of wonderful pilled teas and milo the drink and you get lots of sweet kind of condensed milk coffees as well um alongside some of the nicest food ever so it's like these little like kind of roadside shacks or it can be like little cafes as well, it ranges I guess and I think that's what I really liked about that concept that it was like something that is very casual but visited by people loads, really friendly, doesn't have to be somewhere you have to save up for, for ages to go and kind of have a meal there um, and people can dip in and out and that's kind of worked in Shawlands, that's been really nice so we try and stick by that kind of friendly familiar setting with the food as well because you get some of the nicest um, dishes in Malaysia all these like amazing kind of fragrant broths and and charquetiaos which are stir fries and all these like incredible curries just from these kind of very small little shacks almost so we kind of wanted to replicate that um, just when I began and it's kind of worked it's been nice yeah yeah because you've won a few awards haven't you You've been very lucky in that way. Very lucky. It's uh, it'll never stop being overwhelming. Yeah, we uh, we have won a couple of awards. We think we've got best Malaysian restaurant in Scotland, which is just incredible. And I think there is something about that that becomes quite a lot to do with like the emotion of cooking and the emotion of opening up somewhere. Because for me, it's very much like heart on sleeve cooking because you're. It's so kind of related to my mum, and it's so related to how I've grown up and me also understanding um, I guess half of where I'm from as well which is really nice so the kind of connection with it has been very emotional so I feel like every time you get an award or a mention or a customer comes up to you and says that was really nice it's just it's incredible because it is so kind of like ingrained in everything that I do and how I've grown up as well. Does your mum come in and does she critique anything or is she quite <laughs> my mum does come in and uh, she's uh, we always actually struggle to keep her out of the kitchen she loves coming in the kitchen and I, there's something I also quite like about that um, but my mum is our biggest critic by a mile she will definitely not hold back and I think maybe that's where 
I get about my kind of perfectionist's um, trait from, it's from her because she's very, she's just determined to serve a good dinner. And I think that's where the whole thing has come from. If I think about it long and hard, of why did you open a restaurant? Uh, why did you kind of get into food? And why, why are you obsessed with it? It's probably because I just, I like serving a good dinner too. <laughs> Down to the basics of it. Um, and... Yeah, so she'll come into the kitchen often um, and she'll have like little ideas and we'll talk about food quite a lot and she'll send me little ideas that she thought might be quite nice for the menu and that's really nice. It's nice to kind of have her kind of coming in and out every so often and actually my mum used to help me with all of the street food stalls when I first started. So okay. yeah, so it was always me and her standing there <laughs> freezing cold. <laughs> so yeah, I'm forever indebted to her for that. But it's just, uh, it's very nice to have that kind of family connection to it mm. and just kind of, yeah, I guess, I guess almost make her proud because she's, uh, she's come a long way. She came all the way from Malaysia when she was 18 and it's very nice to like see her kind of watch her, I guess her own background be of such importance to like everything that I do now and everything that she's kind of taught me. Yeah. And seeing yeah. so many people enjoy it as well. Yeah, actually. yeah, that's incredible. And it's really nice for her to be able to see that as well. Um, and like, I mean, even when she would come in and do the street food stalls before, she would go up to everyone and talk to them. And she's like the biggest kind of social butterfly ever. So she, uh, she, I guess she kind of knows some of her customers as well. So yeah, it's all very like personal and very like ingrained. It's nice in that way. Yeah, which you don't always get at places. No, and um, I mean... I think that's that's both like the um, I guess do you know what maybe that's sometimes that's that's a good question to go back to is that that's maybe why it makes it difficult sometimes because if it does go wrong it is your little heart in the line and you are very much entwined in it and and but that's also what makes it grow and that's what makes it lovely at the same time mm-hmm. so it is yeah it's just one of those things that I think will keep on growing as long as you keep giving it a bit of nourishing kind of attention as well. So if anyone that's not ever been in to either Shawlands or the Acid Bar, what can diners expect from the menu? Or do you do like sort of similar things in both venues or are you coming up with anything new just now? We, um, so we do actually quite a lot of new development all the time. And I think that comes down to the fact that I have a very short attention span. I'm always very uh, very keen to be learning and very keen to be like trying out things. Um, so we do have a few staples. We've got like our Cari Capitan, which is like a very kind of rich coconut milk, um, chilli, lemongrass based curry. And it's just, it's very, it's such a staple because we'll always have that kind of good rich curry on. And we've also got nasi goreng, which is everyone's favourite uh, hangover item, it seems, which is like a Malaysian fried rice and it's got lots of spices through it. Again, everything we do is quite punchy. There's nothing like that subtle. And we've got kind of constant menu development going on. We're trying to, I guess, work on... uh, I guess even some dim sum. So again, it's all very kind of mixed, the dishes that I'm mentioning, but that's part of the kind of fabric of Malaysia where there is so many different cultures and therefore so many different dishes and styles of food and styles of cuisine, which is really nice. Um, So it keeps us on our toes. So we have a forever changing menu and we'll serve kind of what we have that day. We'll use local kind of Scottish fish and we'll try as much as possible to mix in the flavours from Scotland and the ingredients from Scotland with what we know as well. 
uh, and that makes it really nice because it's got flavours from both here and there and we're very lucky to have I guess so many Asian supermarkets popping up in Glasgow now we've got loads and they've got all the kind of wonderful things that I never thought growing up that I would see here just things that like it's I guess pandan we've got quite a lot of pandan oh, yeah. here which is like a long kind of green stemmed I guess herbal almost to the way I see it because it's very kind of flavoursome and we've got that here now which is amazing yeah so it's constantly developing because the food map of of being in Scotland is constantly changing which is really nice uh, so I guess when you come in, expect, I quite like the idea of coming in and being like, this is what we have today and we hope you like it. We've got a bit for a bit for everyone really. And even if somebody's a bit unsure about the flavours or it seems a bit daunting, I love it when people, my favourite thing actually is when people come up and just trust us with it or just say what flavours they like and we'll work around that. Which is good because yeah. there's a lot of people who don't want to make a decision like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll choose for you anytime, that's just so much easier. <laughs> So um, you're currently at the acid bar. Are you? What is next, basically? Are you staying here for a while, or? I think we'll be in the acid bar, hopefully for the next couple of months, which is really nice. We're enjoying ourselves very much, um, and we've got a now kind of bigger team, which is lovely, and we have plans. I guess to be moving into a second unit, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're letting people know about that very soon, and it's I guess we want to move somewhere where we've got slightly bigger kitchen and we'll practice doing all the kind of things that we we have always wanted to do i mean having like i guess proper sati having enough space to do i am goreng which is like a fried kind of chicken or like mm-hmm. everything really so we'll keep on looking for places that are i guess very I guess involves quite around the community in Glasgow. There's lots of little pockets of neighbourhoods which have got lots of things going on, like the South Side and East End and I guess West End down kind of Partick Way as well. So there's like there's just lots going on. Uh, so we are looking at our second one now, so it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think we'll be doing quite a lot more uh, cooking classes as well. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I've got a team who are... And we've just always loved the idea of teaching people about the ingredients and teaching people about... Um, Southeast Asian cooking and making that part of what we do every day um, so we are kind of I guess working with community as well because that's I guess again that goes back to the kind of love for food and it not just being um, about making money from it we need to kind of give back to community in that way as well. Well after all that I think we should go get <laughs> something to eat so thank Definitely you very much. I'm starving. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I think that was a great interview with Julie. We got a good insight into her cooking styles, what you can expect from her restaurants and her influences. That's all for just now. We're just going to head back to the studio. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scran. If you like what you heard, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can listen to this podcast from whenever you get your podcast from or for more interactive content, please download the Entail app.